Hey guys, this is your host, Ryan Sebastian. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your day today. If you've been listening for a while and have not left a rating and review, I would encourage you to do that. And again, that does help this podcast be more available uh, for those who are looking and searching for youth ministry content. Um, the past few weeks, it's been great. And a lot of us have probably have probably gained a few pounds in weight from all the food that we have been eating uh, during the holidays. I know I gained, it seems like I gained like five pounds the past few weeks. And of course, it's January. It's a new year, a new season. And a lot of us are making new commitments. A lot of us are re- evaluating our eating habits. Um, and looking at exercising and losing weight or on the or just vision casting in our ministries it's a period of time of a lot of evaluating evaluating our habits and evaluating uh, our ministries and the direction our ministries are going so i love this season every year of vision casting evaluating And I'm excited to see, even in my own ministry, uh, the direction that God wants us to go. Uh, This week, I'm really excited about um, the topic we're going to be talking about this week. But before we get into that, let's take a pause and listen to our sponsors. Youth and Culture is brought to you by Covenant Eyes. Coven Eyes is an online accountability and content blocking software for your mobile device or your computer designed to protect the entire family. Today, with 90% of boys and 70% of girls being exposed to pornography online and 56% of divorce cases listing porn use as a factor, it's more important than ever to protect your home. Click the link at the bottom of the show notes, sign up for Covenize, and start protecting your home today. Okay, I can remember a time in my freshman year of college, I knew I was going to take, uh, enter into youth ministry, so I started taking youth ministry classes uh, in my freshman year. And I can remember sitting in class and a professor saying that the average youth pastor stays in a church about a year and a half. And I can remember a few years later in my senior year, that same professor sitting in a class with him, uh, my senior year, saying that it is now, uh, now the average youth pastor stays in a church only for a year and a half. Okay, within a few years span, it dropped to half what it was before. Longevity and youth ministry is such an important topic. Longevity, being in one location uh, in a church, because the reality is, is, is you're not going to see much change and much growth in a church unless you're there for the long haul. And I'm very thankful that I got to talk to Jody Livingston specifically about this topic, about being in youth ministry for the long haul and what that looks like and how to stay there and what kind of strategies can you do, can we do as youth leaders to stick, stick it out through thick and thin for the sake of your students and your students growing in Christ. So stay tuned and listen as we talk with Jody Livingston.
Well, guys, I am really, really excited about uh, today's interview. Uh, something that both of us have been busy with uh, youth ministry and planning and new transitions. And the first one we're going to be talking today is Jody Livingston. And the topic we're going to be talking about is specifically uh, longevity in youth ministry. I am excited about this topic and excited to talk to Jody uh, because I have been following his podcast for a long time and it's been an encouragement for me and ministry and specifically sticking out in youth ministry. So Jody, before we kind of go into um, talking about longevity youth ministry, how about you kind of introduce yourself for those who might not know who you are and your journey in ministry? Yeah, man. Uh, Ryan, thanks for having me on. I know we've been back and forth on this, trying to get this scheduled for for a while. So thanks for your patience and grace on that. And uh, man, I'm excited to be here, be a part of it for sure. Um, so my journey in youth ministry, really, I think like uh, like quite a few people, I kind of backed into it, fell into it. Really, I uh, had thought uh, really all through um, high school, particularly, I was really pursuing architecture, wanted to do architecture, um, mainly because I, I really liked to draw. And I thought that was a good way to actually make money drawing. And uh, then I found out you had to be really good at math. And I'm not. And I uh, actually had a a teacher that I was doing some drafting classes with that um, pretty directly, but very graciously said, you know, you you suck at math. You should pick a different career. And uh, I didn't know really what, what that meant for me. So I was just kind of hanging around my, my junior year of high school. My best friend died in a car accident and uh, kind of turned my world upside down for sure. I spent the bulk of the summer um, just super angry at the word and, not sure what what it all meant and how how do I um, kind of come to terms with grips that that God is good and yet I'm finding myself in just this unquestionable uh, pain that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense and so uh, going into my senior year I had a friend who was a strong believer uh, super patient and gracious with me who just kept inviting me to a prayer group. Um, and I uh, finally went, really, just to, the, the deal was, I'll come once and you won't ask me again. Um, I had a hard enough time getting to school on time, let alone early for a prayer group. And so went to the prayer group and uh, just a small group of, of kids. And, and, you know, pretty, I didn't have a huge high school. Um, and I uh, just, God just really began to turn my heart there. And I found myself going back again and again and again. And then after a few weeks of going, um, or a few, uh, maybe a couple of weeks of going, um, we met, every, the group met every morning. Um, they finally said, like most students would say, Hey, like, we're so glad you're coming, but if you're going to keep coming, you're going to have to kind of pull your weight. Um, and we all take turns leading devotions. And so, uh, it's your turn. And, uh, so I did, I stayed up all night working on some devotion, five minute devotion. I think I did something out of the book of Isaiah. I don't know why I probably just flipped it, pointed and ended up in Isaiah. And I remember giving the devotion that morning and just feeling like really for the first time in my life, like just alive, um, something kind of just came awake. Went and talked to my pastor at the time who had been there at the church the whole time uh, that I had been at church really my whole life and said, Hey, I think I want to do what you do. And he said, no, you need to run from this. And, I was super frustrated at that. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, when you, you know, you need to really pray through this. And when you're confident you can do this and nothing else, then you come back and, and we'll get, we'll have a, another conversation. So that's what I did. And came back a few weeks later, more convinced than ever that that was what I wanted to do. And really thought I was going to do full-time evangelism, graduated high school, uh, ended up going off to Bible college and uh, fully expecting just to, just to preach. And um, got invited to uh, onto a revival team that the school had, and I kept getting sent out to do youth stuff. I was the youngest on the revival team by far, and so I just felt like they weren't taking me serious. They only wanted to deal with the teenagers, and so they were sending me. But uh, God really used that year 
to kind of expose in my heart what had been there all along that maybe I wasn't recognizing, and that was just a love for students. And so May of that year, I went on staff as a youth pastor in a small church um, there in North Carolina. And at, so at 18, which I don't recommend, um, yeah, when I, I began this journey of student ministry, and I've been doing it now for 20 plus years and started the podcast about five years ago, four years ago, four or five years ago, and uh, 2015 just to kind of help encourage guys to stay put. Saw a lot of, uh, a lot of youth pastors coming and going. Um, seemed they all kind of made it to a certain point and then left and went someplace else. And so I had been fortunate enough to stick it out and stay and seen really the blessings of that. And so I wanted to encourage that uh, with others. I actually started a, started the blog first. So just at the longer hall, uh, com, just blogging for a couple of years and then found myself wanting to say and do more. And in the podcast, there really weren't a lot of youth ministry podcasts around at the time. And so it was kind of new, something different and jumped into that. And yeah, I've been doing it ever since and still doing it. I have a phenomenal friend in ministry and co-host Chris Trent who uh, came on around episode 50 and yeah, still rolling. That's absolutely I can't imagine me uh, in your shoes starting uh, youth ministry at 18. I, for, for I'm looking at thinking about myself when I was 18 year old, 18 years old, I was the dumbest person to do anything like that. So I, for me, it would probably, probably would have bombed. Oh yeah. Well, I was too. Well, they didn't fire me and no one died and, uh, and they, they weren't really paying me enough to matter actually they weren't paying me at all at first and then when they were it wasn't much and so you know i was i was a bargain value uh, and uh, but you don't know what you're doing you're just making it up as you go and that's 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 the thing and, and part of that part of that whole part of launching the longer haul as a whole was like okay who who am i talking to well i'm talking to 18 year old me right who's reading everything he could get his hands on and trying to listen to everybody that that knew more than me about student ministry and uh, trying to figure out what that looks like in my context. And it, it was, yeah, I, I should have been fired a few times and no one died, but <laughs> they came close. Yeah. There, there's uh there's one question that I like to ask um, specifically to people like you who've been in ministry for, for a good while, specifically youth ministry is uh, when you first started ministry, what did you wish you have known when you first started out? Uh, I think probably how hard it is, you know, um, and I don't know that you can know that. I mean, even somebody can tell you that. Um, I think most people get into student ministry because they like hanging out with teenagers and they like all the fun things. I know a lot of, a lot of folks will get into it because, you know, God really did a lot for them in their teenage years and when they were in youth group and they had a student pastor or somebody they really liked. And, so they they remember the camps and the retreats and the lock-ins and the all the fun things and then all of a sudden when you're in charge of those things um it it's it's hard you know you lose a lot of sleep over students making really dumb decisions and uh trying to navigate parents and discipling families and uh encouraging like it, it's just you know it's really 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 hard um, it's fun too but it's it's just really hard no, I agree. I would, I would have to say, like, out of all my schooling, um, my bachelor's degree, even including my master's, and again, I, I had a great schooling, great classes, uh, but some of the things that really I didn't learn until I was on the job doing ministry day in, day out is really how, just how to learning how to deal with parents, how to minister to parents. I was always taught how to minister to students and student discipleship and uh, even student leadership to a point, uh, but never the parent aspect. And I, I would say it took me years to even learn that part of it. So that was probably the biggest part of the struggle for me within my first few years of ministry was learning how uh, to minister to parents and implement parents in my ministry. Yeah, well, I think, you know, everybody, you're an expert at parenting until you become one. Um, you're an expert at marriage until you are married. Like, well, that, that's just the nature of, of how we generally are. And, and so, you know, at 18, I needed parents around me because I couldn't drive the church van or I couldn't rent a car. I could, there were things that 
I just wasn't old enough to legally even do that are really essential. And so you find yourself kind of thrust into this uh, atmosphere where you're, you're trying to navigate this relationship that you don't quite have. And I would say too, like anybody who's listening, who's younger in ministry, uh, you may not be 18, but you're, you're single or uh, you're young and married. You don't yet have kids that, that, that can, it's all a matter of how you posture that conversation. So you can posture that as an advantage to you to get parents to engage in the ministry in the sense that it's easy to stand up and say, listen, I'm not a parent or I'm not a parent of a teenager, right? Even when our kids weren't teens, for me to say like, I'm not parenting a teenager. I work with teens all the time and I've, I've been around hundreds of teens and parents. Like I, I have watched others and I can tell you what I've seen and learned from them, but I haven't walked to this. And so I need you to be a part of the ministry. I need you to come in and, and, and come alongside. Let us, let's partner together as you seek to raise your kids and reach kids in a way that honors the Lord. And then as you transition even into being a parent of teens, you can still say, look, I'm in it with you. <laughs> We're parenting teens together, but I'm not parenting your teen and you're not parenting mine. And so we need each other. Um, I think just being mindful of that starting out is, is just is really, really helpful because otherwise the, the biggest makes, mistake you can make is seeing parents as your enemy. Um, and I think for a long time in student ministry, you know, 20 years ago, that was really common. Um, I feel like that's changed a little. Um, but 20 years ago, you know, we saw parents as a problem. If you just give me your kids and let me take them, I can fix all these things. Um, but I don't think that's the case anymore. I think we've, we've realized, you know, as a whole in student ministry that, man, that that's dangerous. No, I, I absolutely agree. I would agree with that, that as a whole, what, at least what I'm seeing, again, my context is small, but I'm seeing more and more youth ministries, instead of trying to fight parents or against parents, trying to uh, come alongside them, include them and work with them and minister to them in their ministries. So I am seeing, even in the last 10 years, I've seen a shift of that. Yeah, no, it, totally. Yeah, I agree. Um. One thing I do want to ask you um, is because the reason why I ask this question because I, I feel like there's there's different opinions, different views um, on this question, and that's what does longevity in youth ministry look like? Yeah, I think that's a good question. You know, we we talk about like Chris and I talk a lot about this in longer haul uh, because we obviously get asked this a lot with uh, with the focus of our show being longevity, um, and I would say it's kind of twofold. And, uh, and, and sometimes they run together, but you really talk about it in two ways. One is just being in youth ministry for a long time, right? And so uh, you may have been serving in the capacity of youth pastor for a really long time. And the other is being a youth pastor at the same place for a long time. And, um, and you know, I think our, my heart is that the second would be true of most, um, but I think, um, and, and, and we can dive into this a little more, maybe even in, in a bit, but, you know, I, I, you hear people that'll say, oh, I've been in youth ministry for 10 years, but really they've just been in youth ministry for two and a half. They've just done it over and over and over until they got to 10. And, um, you know, that, that is an element of longevity, but I don't think you reap any of the reward or the benefit of longevity in that context. And so our hope is that, that man, you would find yourself someplace and you'd plant yourself there and you'd stay. Um, and that's, that's, I think where you, where you really begin to recognize the joy that comes in ministry over, uh, the longer period of time in longevity. No, I would agree. I, I, I can remember, uh, years and years ago when I was still in my undergraduate, uh, looking at other resumes, basically other resumes, uh, for people who are going, want to go into student ministry jobs youth ministry jobs. And I can I remember just to get an idea of how to do a resume. Uh, so I was pulling different resumes together, comparing, looking at it. And one thing I saw in common uh, was the fact that most of these, these people doing these resumes, uh, it's, they were hopping from church to church to church, like every three years. Uh, and I didn't see hardly any actually sticking it out. And for for me, it was it was it's it was a little bit of an eye opening. Uh, just for a little bit of my background, I 
grew up in a church where we had uh, the same pastoral staff uh, for 20 to 30 years. There was no rotating of pastoral staff. Uh, the church I served at in Lynchburg, Virginia, uh, during my uh, during seminary was the same exact way. So I would, really wasn't exposed to a lot of rotation in pastoral staff, and especially uh, youth ministry. So this concept was very, very new to me of, of rotating rotating staff. So for me, for my opinion, my rule of thumb, and my definition of, of longevity. Uh, specifically in one location, is at least being at one location at least long enough to see a class graduate or beyond. Because uh, you really don't know the health of your ministry until you at least graduate one class out from sixth grade all the way to 12th. And at that point, you really can see your fruits of your ministry. There's, there's things you need to change at that point. Uh, that you can't see in the first three years. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you can't, you can't really fully evaluate. Now I think some of that depends on your role. Some of that depends on your context. Like to be fair, like, you know, if you're serving in a context where you're the high school pastor or you're like a middle school pastor, or you have junior high instead of middle school. So you have seventh through 12th instead of six through 12th, like those, but the principle you're talking about is exactly the true. I mean, if, if you're serving in a high school capacity, yeah, until you see, and, and really not even that first class out. It, I mean, that first class out is is going to start showing you a bit of, of what you're producing, but it really is going to take a, a couple of those guys through um, because it takes it takes you five years to become a pastor someplace for people to see you as the pastor. That uh, you can't convince me otherwise. You're, and we can talk a little bit about this if you want, but I think there's some seasons that uh, everybody's going to deal with and serve through that probably deeply affect longevity and understanding those seasons, I think, um, is a huge component and piece of that. And it's part of the reason everybody leaves so early is because they don't recognize that those seasons exist. Um, but, you know, you're going to be compared to the last youth pastor for at least five years. No, I agree. It just, it just happens. Now, you, you actually uh, made, made a great point, and it's kind of, kind of connected to uh, – um, when I interviewed that I did with Michael Braddock, and we were ta- uh, talking about um, specifically the fifth year ministry. Uh, sometimes it had this happens a little bit before, or maybe a little bit after, but around the fifth year, uh, from what I've been hearing from a lot of my friends in ministry, uh, those are connected in this podcast, is that around that year, uh, there's a lot of discouragement sometimes involved around that time. Uh, that from from numbers dropping, uh, from having issues with uh, staff, uh, because the honeymoon phase is typically gone around that point, and you start actually seeing how ministry is, and ministry is hard. It's it's not easy. It's hard. You're going to have dealing with difficult people, and you're going to be dealing with sometimes with staff um, because some of the staff that you had is not going to be the expectations uh, that you had for them. Um, so a lot of this is wrapped up in that. So I, I absolutely agree that there's a lot of people who don't under, go into ministry understanding uh, that there is seasons in ministries and sometimes seasons of difficulty in ministry as well. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, one of the reasons you see that turnover, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I think it happens around the five-year mark, but I think it happens first before that. Um, and then it just repeats itself. And so like, for example, you know, your first six months someplace, you're just making, I mean, you're just trying to make connections. You're trying to figure out who's who you're trying to learn names. You're trying to figure out budget and who spent what last year and what the normal patterns of your year and your ministry look like. You're trying to get to know the volunteers that you maybe have. You're trying to figure out the processes of getting things done and approved and who you have to go to for what, and how you get checks cut and, you know, all of that, that kind of thing happens in your first, really your first six months. And then the rest of that first year, you know, as you head towards the end of that year, you're kind of getting, you kind of have a good handle on those things. And so generally that's when everybody's going to start trying to make some changes and, um, you know, they, they have a lot of momentum. Everybody's still, pretty much likes them for the most part. 
But then somewhere between that year two, the beginning of year two, right at that beginning of year two and the end of year three. So maybe the beginning of that, um, you know, that, that period there, two and a half years in or so, something's going to happen. And I don't know what it is and I don't know why it is. It just happens. Um, it may be a pastoral, a senior pastor, you know, change above you. It may be something in the church. It might be an issue with uh, your family. It might be an issue or conflict with parents or with a volunteer or just a, a lay leader in the church. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's going to happen somewhere two and a half years in, right? Give or take about six months. And and that's generally where people start feeling like God's calling them someplace else. <laughs> oh, yeah. It almost always happens. It almost always happens. Um, and then they go someplace else and then the same thing happens. And so um, if, you know, if you don't recognize that coming in, yeah, you're going to come in and you're going to stay about a year and a half, two years, and then you're going to go someplace else and you're going to uh, misunderstand the difficulty of ministry with uh, God calling you to something else. And and that's not to say that God doesn't do that sometimes. I'm just not convinced that it's as often as we give him credit or blame for. And then I think, you know, we talk about that year five, Mark, year five. And year five, something something's probably going to happen again because it's, you know, about every two and a half years. But you're going to be better positioned and primed to handle it if you know that it's coming and you've weathered the storm. And honestly, for me, Year five has typically been a pretty good year. What makes year five difficult is that you can't blame the guy before you anymore. You have to, you have to own it. Uh, what you have is largely yours and everyone sees it that way. And, and so now you're having to navigate your own. You're not fixing someone else's stuff to, to try to get it to what you want it to look like. Now it looks like pretty much like what you wanted it to look like. And now you're having to deal with, with what it's producing. And so that makes it a little more difficult. You, 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 you're fielding criticism, but now, now it's personal because it is yours. It's not the youth pastor before you. Um, and, and so you have to, you have to be ready for that when it comes, you know, and then you hit your six or seven, you're seeing that class graduate out. Like you said, now you can really start to evaluate what's happening and, uh, and what you're producing fully, a little more fully. And then, and then you really need to kind of probably start thinking about recasting a fresh, some fresh vision again, um, and, and kind of building some momentum into that second, uh, kind of that second wind of your ministry at that point. And I think if you, if folks will recognize that off the front, you know, you have a better shot uh, of, of making it. And that, that's because I, I, I'm fully convinced and I've said this a lot. I think you can do youth ministry without Jesus for about two years. And I think that's the problem too, is that we, we know enough games, you can, you can buy enough curriculum, you can you know, recycle enough ideas, you can steal enough Jimmy Fallon games. You can, you can do that for about two years, but if there's no depth, there's no substance, if you're not walking you know, with a really vibrant relationship of your own, then it, then you're not going to be positioned to field any type of of criticism. You're not going to be able to weather any type of storm, and um, you know, and and you're just gonna you're just gonna give up, you know. And I think that that's a shame, really, because there's probably a lot of a lot of a lot of folks who could be incredibly effective in student ministry that just give up too early because they're just not prepared. No one no one's talking about that. You made some. You made some phenomenal, phenomenal uh, points, um, which is I never really thought about it until you just actually talked about how there are different points um, of different uh, seasons and struggles and different points in, in, in ministry, and, and that is very, very much true. I think it was a little bit different, uh, maybe with with me personally coming in because I grew up in ministry in a sense that I was a pastor's kid. Uh, my dad was uh, was a pastor for thirty about thirty years before uh, both my parents left and went to the mission field. Now they're in uh, a certain part in Asia, which I can't mention for their safety. 
And also, uh, my grandfather was a pastor for 40 plus years before he physically uh, could not preach. And so I, I, from the backdrop as growing up in ministry, I saw things uh, in the background that a lot of people uh, don't see when it comes to ministry and the hardships in ministry. And I think my dad as a whole did a very good job of trying to protect um, the family from some of that um, as well. So I came, when I came into ministry, I did have some different expectations, maybe from somebody who did not uh, grow up in ministry. And uh, so it, for me personally, some of those, the hardships you're talking about from roughly about two years really didn't hit me until about five. And, and part of that was a lot of what you're saying uh, about, uh, it was me doing ministry, not me relying on God to do ministry. And I didn't realize that until things around me was falling apart about your, your five. Um, not saying they're falling apart, but uh, some things, there was a lot of discouragement around that time. And that's when well, I really yeah. understood that. Because you realize at that point you can't hold it all together, right? And people know who you are. They've seen, they've seen you, or at least the you you're portraying. and and so. I think, you know, there are other seasons that affect other things that too, like if you're single and you get married, well, that's a new season. If you're, uh, if you're married with no kids and now you have a mascot, you know, that, that first kid is, that changes things, especially if your wife is, or husband or your spouse is really involved, um, in your context that, that changes things. Um, but I, I think, yeah, when, you know, when I think when we look and it's not just student ministry, like, let's be fair. The, what the, I feel like this is pretty universal across all all ministry, not just student ministry, um, you know, and so we've, we, it's easy to sit and say, oh, you know, make it sound like youth pastors are not very faithful or spiritual. And that's not what I'm saying either. I'm just saying sometimes we, it's easier in student ministry to rely on other things. Um, and we often don't have the oversight um, in student ministry that maybe a senior pastor role or another type of role would have because, you know, no one really pays much attention to the teenagers. And so we can, we can easily get lazy in, in, in some things, including and primarily our own personal walk and prayer life. And, you know, if you're going to be successful uh, over the, over the long haul in your ministry um, for any sense of longevity, it's going to have to be ministry done out of an overflow of what God's doing in your life. Um, otherwise you, you're just, you won't survive it. You're, you're, you're not going to be able to weather the storm of difficult conversations with broken, hurting students and parents and families over 15, 20 years if you're not deeply relying on the Lord to hold you in the midst of that. No, I agree. Um, one thing, I, uh, I mean, we can spend, we can literally spend an hour talking about this. It's Because um, it's, it's such a relevant relevant topic across any ministry of just how this different phases and be prepared to different phases of ministry and the struggles and getting past those struggles. Uh, but I do want to sh shift a little bit. And I do want to ask um, one thing, because you know, uh, this question, because it's, it's changed even from when I uh, entered college specifically for youth ministry. And this is what's changed. Uh, when I entered uh, uh, my undergraduate college, the average youth pastor, the tenure of a youth pastor at a one specific location was typically three years. By the time I graduated with my, just with my undergraduate, undergraduate, just a four-year period, it would drop down to a year and a half as being the average that a youth pastor stayed at one location. Uh, why, do, why do you think youth pastors are commonly known for only lasting at a church for about a year and a half? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it's what we just talked about in the sense of just not recognizing those seasons. I think, I think generally when you look at a, a student pastor, particularly um, when starting out, generally you've got a student pastor who's a lot younger and um, and, and probably hasn't quite developed a really strong conviction or vision for what they're doing. Um, a lot of, I think in our context and culture too now, I think beyond the church world, right, it's become really common that people change careers and jobs frequently. Um, and, and so 
you know, whether you work within a church or not, like it's just become really common and acceptable practice for that to happen. And so I think some of that has probably bled into the church as well. Um, I don't know that you have as much of uh, student ministry as a stepping stone into more of a senior role as you used to. I think it's still there. Um, but I think that was really common for a while as people wanted to be, you know, a kind of a senior pastor. And it was hard to do that without experience in ministry. And so student ministry was an easy way to start and learn and grow and then step into a senior pastor role. I think youth ministry over the years has become maybe a little more of a, um, a validated career, which is, which is, you know, always helpful um, in, in terms of longevity. But I don't know that it's really been enough um, to allow, I think you, Generally, you're not, you know, I mean, you talk about those seasons. You're not going to make as much as a student pastor as you are in a senior pastor. And so when you start having uh, uh, kids, right, when you get married, start having kids, like income-wise, you know, I think some of that plays into it. You just can't sustain your family on that. And so you have that. I also think, because um, I've seen those stats as well, and I talk to a lot of youth pastors, obviously, who who are leaving or considering leaving or who are trying to navigate what it looks like to stay. I don't know that as many are leaving as we think. I think the number gets skewed a bit because of, uh, you know, the bivocational nature of student ministry often or um, just different, different factors. I don't think everybody's just quitting at a year and a half and deciding to do something else. I think some of it's legitimate. And I think there are reasons, you know, that you should probably consider stepping away, but, um, I think some of it, you know, a lot, I think all of that together probably really factors into a lot of it. It, it. The age of most folks when they're stepping into student ministry, um, on a, uh, you know, on just like unhealthy expectations of what ministry is going to look like, not really knowing how to really ask good questions and in interview to make sure that it's a good fit for the position in church. Um, I think that plays into it. I think the the provision aspect of, of you know the financial aspect becomes difficult um, as well, and you know I think some people just like even like we talked about earlier, some people just start student ministry because they think it's going to be really fun, and they get in there and realize it is fun, but it, not as much and not as often as we think. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you miss uh, mentioned the fun part, uh, which again it's true. There's there's some a lot of fun aspects of ministry, like you said. Uh, but I can rem- I can remember sitting in just classes in my undergraduate, and that was the mentality uh, of a lot of people, a lot of students in my classes. They're like, oh, this is youth ministry is just a, it's just an avenue of where I can stay a kid, um, and that kind of that kind of mentality. Um, so I was seeing a lot of this, in, even in my classes, and I just had to tell some of these guys uh, who have no concept of what ministry really is. I said, y'all y'all have no clue what y'all are getting into. Um, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. And ministry is doing fun. And I, ha- and I have a passion, a heart to reach students. Uh, but it's hard. It's hard because you're going to be dealing with diff- you're dealing with imperfect, sinful people. And along with that comes difficult situations that you're going to have to deal with in ministry. Um, anyway, so it's, I, I, I totally agree with all those aspects. And a lot of it, I think, uh, maybe could be summed up uh, of just immaturity in a lot of ways uh, as well, just, just an understanding um, of how ministry is and just going it with a little bit of a, of a immature uh, mindset a little bit. Uh, so what was your take on that? Do you think it's some of that has to do with the uh, maturity type of uh, I think it, you know, I, I think for me that I could see that I for sure. And, and it wasn't immature maybe in the sense that most would think of, it was more immaturity in how to approach things like bringing about change and casting vision. Um, you know, I, I, I can remember I, I being really young and just very uh, arrogantly outspoken about what I felt and was convinced was right. Um, and, you know, saying and things that weren't sinful, just were like arrogant and immature and short-sighted that I would never say today, you know? 
Um, and, and so I, I feel like when you're younger, especially, you have this urgency to make change now. And in our context and culture today, that's probably true more than ever um, because things change and happen so quickly. And that's just not the way it is in relationship with people. And so, um, you know, if I could give it, when I give advice and I say, if I could, well, I can, and I will, uh, to like a younger, again, a younger youth pastor who's starting out, it's like, man, don't, don't underestimate the impact and the difference and the change that you can make in the long term of where you are. And don't overestimate what you think you can do in the short term, because you can't do nearly as much as you think you can in the short term, but you can do way more than you'll ever imagine in the long term where you are. And you have to be, you know, kind of mature enough and patient enough to, to recognize that and bring about that rather quick, you know, rather um, patiently and graciously and compelling, um, not, not just coming in and dropping it and saying, this is what we're going to do. And this is what we should do. And these are all things we're doing wrong. And this is why you suck as a parent. And this is why, you know, if you're, you're messing your kid up and, or telling kids like, this is stupid. Why are you like, I find myself 20 some years in every week, man, <laughs> every week there's like, there's, there's more and more kids that I see. And I'm just, the only thing I can really say is I'm so glad you're here <laughs> because with everything they could choose to do, the fact that they're still choosing to show up every Wednesday, it, it, especially knowing where they are spiritually and, and the struggles that they're having and the rebellious nature that they're living in. Like, I'm just grateful that they're there. 20 years ago, I'd have gotten in their face and told them what an idiot they were and how they were ruining their life. And if they didn't get it together and give their heart to Jesus, that, you know, they weren't going to amount to anything. And, and now it's like, no, man, I recognize when Paul says, when he, Paul writes to Timothy and talks about, you know, why would God wait to save Paul, the apostle Paul, right? He, he, he waits and waits and waits and Paul's ravaging the church. And yet it, it's not until the road to Damascus that we see God show up. And, and he writes to Timothy and says, so that, it, so that the patience of God might be on display. And man, we, we forget that in student ministry a lot because we recognize that we have such a small window in students' lives. And, uh, and so we, but we don't, we, we don't think about uh, the, the working that God is doing in the background uh, of students' lives. And, and we become uh, impatient. And I think a lot of that comes out of that immaturity that you're talking about. I, I know it was for me. No, absolutely. Even, and uh, part of that, the, and I guess I, I'm going to pick on millennials just for a minute, just because I am one. So I have, I can think I have a little bit of a liberty of picking on them. Um, is when you you made a point of talking about uh, of wanting th- things done now, kind of a fast food mentality of got to have it, got to have it now, and it's it's a problem across the board uh, at a at an immaturity, no matter what generation it is. Uh, but I do feel like it's more of a problem uh, that mentality uh, with millennials and generation Z, just because of the culture we live in is very consumer minded. Got to have it now fast food minded. Um, so I, I do think it's, I do think it's a little bit more of a struggle, uh, with millennials and generation Z just because of the culture nature of what they grew up in. So I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I think, and we, you know, I think it, we see it everywhere. The consumerism mentality, especially in the U.S., has bled into the church. Um, and, you know, that's a whole other topic for another day. And I, and maybe some of that even, and this is probably not very popular, but some of that maybe is not all bad, uh, but a lot of it is. And I think student ministry falls victim to that a lot easier because we're, we're running with, with a generation of students that, you know, is deeply integrated into, connectedness and social media and inst- more instant gratification. Um, and so I think we should be mindful of that because we, we can buy into that too. And I, I think too, this is, I would say this is another part too. Um, we also live in this world where there is a pressure to build platform. And I recognize the, uh, <laughs> the hypocrisy in what I'm saying since the reason that we're here is because we have this platform of podcasts that you know, that we have created. But 
I think as a whole, like when you talk to students, I mean, man, there's so many students down that, that all this research is coming out. You know, the YouTuber is a career. And I, maybe, maybe that's you. I don't know. Probably not. But it's like YouTuber is the new, is the new NF, the new professional athlete. Uh, and, and so you, you've got youth pastors who are coming in who are, and some of it's motivated by the finance thing. Some of it's just a desire, generational desire to, to make an impact and influence, which that part I think is incredibly healthy. But, you know, we want to gain a following. We want to build a platform. We want to like, every youth pastor I talk to is a speaker and a youth pastor. They may not actually speak anywhere, but it's on their profile, right? They, they want to be. And, um, no, I agree, you know, and, and not, a, I mean, there's people that can do that. And, you know, certainly I'm sure you and I do some of that. Like I know I, I do some of that, but it's not, that's not my goal. Uh, that's not my, my, my primary focus is student pastor. The reason that our podcast, in my opinion, is helpful remotely is that, that Chris and I are both serving as youth pastors week in and week out in the trenches. And I'm having difficult conversations every week with students, with parents, I'm navigating, uh, all the things that come with being a student pastor. Um, and so I think the danger of wanting and desiring to build a platform is a growing, it's new, that's new. Um, and I think that has a danger to also pull you away from your focus on doing your ministry, doing your student ministry. No, I agree. And I'm a, briefly touch on that and then move on because we can spend a whole podcast talking about this as well. But um, building a platform is something that I have seen, uh, not necessarily a problem, even though it kind of is, but it's just so across the board when I'm seeing uh, like on people's profiles, like you said, when it talks about speaker and uh, youth pastor, I've seen stuff like that. Um, because uh, I've even struggled with doing this podcast. Uh, and again, those of you who are listening, uh, those uh, me and Jody and Chris and Trent, all of us don't. Uh, our podcast, we don't make money. Okay, we don't do podcasts to make money. We do. Uh, there's no no money in man podcast specifically for ministry. Uh, we don't go into for that, but. And what, what I'm seeing is that I struggle with is the idea of self-promotion, which has to do with building a platform. Uh, I struggled with that for a long time and still struggle with that aspect. I know God's called me to do this, uh, to, to help other pastors and youth pastors and ministry and, and youth workers. Um, and as I've been doing this podcast and doing some other things as well, I've, I've been noticing that's becoming a problem. Uh, with the ministry as well is so is the idea of hey I should build a platform, um, hey I should make ministry more about my about me uh, rather than others, and that's something I've I've kind of noticed a little bit of a trend. Um, again, I'm, I'm again I may be wrong, I'm prob- which I probably am, uh, but that's just something I'm seeing that uh, sometimes bothers me. Yeah, well, I, uh, specifically in, in, in youth ministry, I think it comes back to motive. You know, and I, I hope, you know, if you're listening, you're not hearing, you're not hearing us wrong. And because uh, I, I can imagine, you know, 18, 19 year old me going, wait, you just call me immature. And you just said that I shouldn't try to be known and I shouldn't, you know, and those are all things that resonated really deeply. Um, and, and that's not, that's not what we're saying. It's not what I'm saying. I, I'm saying, um, you know, man, be intentional where you are, be faithful in the little things and then let the Lord add and grow if he sees fit, um, the, the, the country, the world, the vast majority of churches are served so incredibly well by faithful, averagely gifted pastors. And that is not, that is not a statement saying that I am not one of those. (laughs) Like I very much feel less than adequate most days. And, but those guys and those ladies that serve, I mean, man, those are the people that are going to be in the front of the line. You know, we're all going to be standing behind them. And I think just be faithful, man, just be faithful where you are. Let the Lord grow. Let the Lord increase. Um, you know, you're, you're let, let your students and your ministry and the lives changed 
in in the wake of your ministry, let that be your legacy, um, not a platform that you'll grow and, and be forgotten from. And you know, maybe maybe the opportunity comes, and maybe God add, adds that to you, and maybe God calls you out to that. But I, I think just be faithful, man. Just be faithful. No, I, no, I agree, and I, and I, I've, I'm, uh, really do think that sometimes, and again. I even fell in this trap, but have fallen in this trap before where I'm looking at the horizon, not looking at where I'm at today and not being focused on where God has me, my ministry to have uh, right now, staying faithful day in, day out. And if God opens doors at other places, more opportunities to reach people and then uh, and, uh, and go walk through those doors, but be focused on ministry and make an impact where you are right now. And I think there's some, there's, there's another element that uh, then, uh, then we can move on. Cause I know we could sit and talk about this forever, but there's another element that comes later too. We talk about those seasons and, and maybe this is a number like a, as far as where you are, but I think when you hit uh, a certain point of longevity where you have been doing youth ministry for a long time and you've weathered the storm, you've seen and learned some things along the way. I almost feel like there's a responsibility at that point to invest back and to pour back and to share and mentor back uh, toward those who are just figuring it out. And that was for me, it was never about the platform. I honestly never thought anybody would read anything I wrote or listen to anything that I said. Um, and you know, I, but for me, it was, I just felt this overwhelming responsibility to, to help 18 year old me, uh, and, and whoever that would be, if they stumbled across or found it, that they might find it helpful. And, and so I, I feel now, you know, a weight of responsibility beyond my, my immediate context of, of student pastor. I want to be faithful there first and foremost, and I will continue to, to press in and lean into that until, you know, until God does something different. But, uh, but I do feel an overwhelming responsibility to, to invest and encourage and help equip others with just really practical things. Um, you won't find, uh, you know, I'm not going to sell you stuff. Other people are, and that's fine. They, they do a better job of, of probably what, you know, I could do or not. But, but what I hope that you find on podcasts like this or, on the longer haul is like just really good principles that you can apply in any context and, and in any season of your life. And, and that's the responsibility I think that way. And I think for me, that's maybe the difference of pursuing platform uh, for the sake of, of having it and, um, and then kind of doing kind of what we've resolved to do. Yeah. That, that's a great point. Um, one thing, and I know we've been kind of, we kind of took a, a little bit of a, of a rabbit trail, but it's good. It's good stuff um, for me and for those who are listening to hear. Because I'll be honest with you, uh, the longer haul, and I, uh, when I first started listening to your podcast, it was probably about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. And there was even a season in my life where I was dealing with discouragement, struggles in ministry, um, and I cannot remember which episode, but it was an, it was an episode that uh, specifically talking, speaking into that part of my life, what I was dealing with. Um, and I can remember that's, that was listening to that one episode is actually what did a domino effect, um, even in my ministry of evaluating myself and actually helped me to get out of that discouragement just by listening to that one podcast. Uh, so I agree with you, you're having a platform just in itself just to just have one is not the right motive, but to build a platform to help others is the mentality and motivation you should have. And and you're doing great work with the way you're doing a longer haul and impacting uh, people, including myself. I appreciate it. that. You're super gracious. And, you know, we're learning and growing along the way as well. So it's just kind of sharing the journey. Uh, we just, we just know we're a little further down the road than others. Yeah, I'm going to ask you one quick question as we as we're wrapping up yeah. is um, we kind of we kind of been hitting on that a lot of this uh, throughout this conversation. But uh, what are some a few strategies that you can give uh, to help 
other people in ministry to stick it out for the long haul? Yeah, I think there's some really practical things that, um, that you can do. And, and, you know, some, like you said, we've talked about first and foremost, I think you're, you know, you've got to really worry about your personal walk um, with the Lord and everything that you do, allow that to be, you know, an, an overflow of, of that. And I think if your personal walk is struggling, you're going to find that your ministry is as well. And, um, you know, I think that goes into just having good, strong accountability and pursuit of holiness. I think just time in the word when you're not studying to teach it and just being in it and just a, a consistent prayer life and all that goes into that. I think you need to be, you know, second, I would say you need to be confident in your calling. Um, you know, I briefly mentioned at the beginning <clears throat> the conversation I had with my pastor and man, I'm so thankful for that conversation. If I had not um, had that conversation with my pastor at the beginning and not come in with a real strong certainty of calling, I think for sure I would have stepped out. And, and so, you know, being, being certain of your, of your call um, to student ministry, to ministry is, is going to be, man, that's going to be really, really important. Um, I think learning patience is really helpful. Learning to navigate people. Um, I tell a lot of young youth pastors, you know, Dale Carnegie's old, old book, How to Win Friends and Influence People is a must read, I think, for everybody working with people. Um, and, and so I would, you know, get really good at uh, your people skills, your emotional intelligence in, in that sense um, is really, really helpful. Always be a learner and always be learning. Um, work really hard at having a good relationship with your pastor. Um, for sure. And then recruit a really good team around you and, uh, and equip them well to do ministry. And, uh, and I think if you do those things, you're, you're in a good position. You got a better chance. Well, Jody, I want to give you an opportunity, um, as we, as we close, I just want to, uh, let everybody know exactly how to get in contact with you if they wanted more questions about uh, this topic of longevity and ministry. But also, I want to give you an opportunity uh, to talk about your podcast and how to connect it in your podcast as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, easiest way, probably for all of that, is just to go to thelongerhall.com. Um, you'll find the podcast there as well as uh, just some con contact information. Um, for uh for everything there and um you know we like i said I, my my co-host and i chris uh are uh, kind of in it doing it together and we have a huge heart to help others and to to reach out and encourage uh, other youth pastors along the way to stick to it and stay through it and uh yeah and so whatever we can do to help and encourage in that way and we would love to do and certainly be a part of and, and again thanks for Thanks for having, taking some time and uh, letting me come on and chat about student ministry. I think we could probably do this for a real, real long time. And, uh, grateful for, uh, for the opportunity and appreciative, super appreciative and humbled uh, the opportunity and, and your, your encouraging words. And, and, uh, and I'm proud of the work you're doing. And so stay at it. And, uh, you're, you're, you're a blessing for sure to student pastors. And your, uh, your podcast is, is, is helping more than you realize. Absolutely. I'll be doing this as, as long as God allows me to do it. Um, but absolutely. Well, uh, Jody, I just want to thank you for taking your time and coming out of the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a pleasure. It was fun. I'm really thankful for Jody's heart when it comes to this area of being in youth ministry for the long haul. I'm thankful for, uh, what he does and along with his co-host uh, Chris Trent on their podcast again uh, it's been a blessing in my life uh, and during times when I was struggling uh, with this idea of sticking it out uh, in my place of ministry if I can say one thing overall when it comes to uh, longevity when it comes to sticking it out one thing that really comes to mind that was true for me is be content. Be content where you are. 
understand that God has placed you there for a reason. And sometimes you won't see it until years down the road, why God has placed you in the ministry where you're at. So my encouragement would be just to be content where God has placed you. I'm yeah, I'm really excited about next week's episode is an episode you do not want to miss. Um, I'm, we're going to be talking uh, specifically uh, to um, Zach Workin over at Youth Ministry Booster. And we're going to be talking about the importance of networking with other youth ministries, networking with other youth pastors and why that is so important to include in your ministry. So stay tuned to next week's episode.